Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. This is episode 28, and Graham McMillan and myself settle in and talk comics at length and in detail. We discuss Iron Man 500.1, Power Man and Iron Fist number 1, Wolverine 5 and 5.1, Chris Robertson's work on Superman Grounded and Superman Batman. It's fun, fun, fun until Daddy takes the long box away. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. It's killing me because we actually have a lot to talk about. I think, uh, you know. Yeah, I know. It's uh, okay. What do we have to talk about? Well, uh, let oh, me see. Here. Before we go any further, I have to say last episode, which you and I obviously have heard because we were here, no one else has yet. Um, I said that I was going to email Marvel's PR department uh, and ask if they were going to reissue their press release about the Avengers Academy giant size. Um, after saying that you wouldn't get that sort of value anywhere, and DC had put out a book that was the same, and but two dollars cheaper. So yes. I did. I did email them, and strangely enough, I got no response whatsoever. Uh... But after that, the solicitations have come out, and I realised that the press release was entirely fictitious, because the press release said it's the same size as twenty of DC's normal books, because it's an eighty pager. And here's the thing. When you see the Avengers uh, Academy solicitation, uh, it's an 80-page issue, including ads, which is to say right. it's 66 pages of content, mm-hmm. or the length of three and a little bit of DC's book. <laughs> Not four! Because <laughs> if you're doing, like, the, like, it's the length of DC's books plus, plus adverts, which is right. the real way to do it, then it's the length of two and a bit DC books. For the price of two and a bit DC books. And that kind of falls down. <laughs> well, I should point out uh, that our podcast with you discussing that is indeed up. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if maybe because I, I actually didn't uh, you include you. Are going to post Savage Critics? Yeah. The, the, uh, I'm, I'm we, going to look right now. It's it's back on Monday. Maybe it got buried what? underneath all of Brian's stuff. But yeah, no, no, no. I um, I edited edited it that last week. I put a secret sneak preview link on Twitter on Friday night. Actually, I remember the secret sneak preview link. Now you said that. Yeah, and then what happened was oh I my waited god, there it is, and I've not even seen if there are any comments or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, while you fail for time. Yes, exactly. Uh, weirdly enough, there were not, there weren't actually a lot of comments for the most part. There I was aren't. Like, That's because no one was on there. Because for some reason, I didn't know it was on there either. And I'm one of the people on it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm kind of like, hmm, is this the week our popularity waned? Like, even you are like, well, you know, when well, that episode that gets up. up. Yeah, and it's there. <laughs> I, also, it's I, been up for I like two days. It's been a really odd week for me. Like it's Wednesday and it kind of feels still feels like Monday to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've just been not even like horrifically busy, but busy enough that I hadn't. That was the first time I'd gone to the Savage Critics site. Like I didn't know Brian had written all that stuff either. And now I'm like, oh, I should read all that. Yeah, you should read the, the Comics Pro stuff. is uh, is pretty interesting. I really enjoyed reading his his uh, his stuff, and it sounds like he's super fired up about it. But. Uh... Uh, yes. So one of the things that's that's one of the things that we can with that we have discussed is the Avengers press release follow up, um, which is 
in the, in the entirely fictitious. That really should be like you should be able to 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 like turn that into a headline on you know something. Arnold Bradley's full of lies. <laughs> I like the idea. Marvel press releases now, quote, entirely fictitious, unquote. I think that's got I, a certain I'm, like. Are you on the Marvel PR mailing list? No, no. Oh, it's great because they, they've taken, especially with Fear itself coming up, to just sending out images with like a subject line, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, and currently, they're doing who are the worthy? Yes, tying in with with Fear itself. I I about threw up. I, well, I mean, first of all, I thought who are the worthy. I honest to God thought that the worthy was a ripoff of the chosen from Millennium, which, as you know, I love. <laughs> uh, and I was like, great, they're ripping off a DC crossover from the nineteen eighties again. Spectacular. But sadly, that's not what it is. But then I found out what the worthy is, and it's even worse. <laughs> Do you know what the worthy is for fear no. itself? Somehow, no. like Thor's hammer gets split into multiple hammers, and it's whoever picks up that ha- those hammers. Uh, what? No, really? really? Oh, because I... By the way, spoiler, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Holy cow. Well, because I, I, I saw something on Twitter, I think, on Marvel's Twitter feed, where it's like, who is the, who are the worthy? Is Hercules one of the worthy? And I was just like... Well, the, the images are hilarious. So the images are all, there is a hammer in the foreground of the picture, and... Mm-hmm. Two slash three people are racing towards it and or fighting over it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like the, the images look like it's an interesting idea, but the execution of all of them, and this is nothing to do with the artists as much as like I think it's actually the concept, mm-hmm. um, look ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> they all look like they're having like kind of slap fights before they go for something. It's it's, it's just not good. That would be the best. I mean, it it is that idea of like to me, it's it's little more than you know. It's almost like um, in that great first Avengers Defenders crossover where uh, what what the, the hell is it? It's it's is this the one where I want to say there's Silver Surfer and Thor or someone like wrestling over the the evil eye. Yes, exactly. Where the evil eye gets split into like eight different copies or something, and they have to be collected. And so the event, Avengers and Defenders split into individual teams. And so each chapter is pretty much them punching each, you know, a new team punching each other to try and get to the evil eye. And it's yeah, it's 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 very like that. Yeah, I mean, it's I, it, which, if you think about it, is an entirely serviceable concept. It's just there's something about that kind of the tagline and the conception just seem really kind of awful and out of touch. So, uh, but um, we should move into discussing, because I think it's the one where you and I are going to disagree the most, uh, Invincible Iron Man 500.1, and then we can talk about some, some other So that means that you sure don't like it then. I... Because I, I, I remember I said to you an email that I was really genuinely pleasantly surprised by it. Yes, so I think you should go first and talk about that, and then I can sort of come back and... Well, part, um, part of my pleasant surprise is, as you know, I've been really disappointed with Iron yes. Man recently. Uh, and I think it started really well to get massive swan dive uh, in quality, probably somewhere in the end world's most wanted. Um, and I thought the 500, issue 500, was also kind of weak. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you read 500? No, I still haven't been able to. 500 is pretty much copy. like the, you know the the um, the jump forward, right? And so it's like here is it's to my and six 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 done with Iron Man, right? Um, and I you know I I'm not 
I can kind of understand why people like it, I guess, but it really is pretty much like Batman 666 Double Down, man. Um, but 500.1, I liked, I think, just because... I'm, I'm trying to put it into... Uh, okay, there's two things. One, I liked uh, LaRocca's Mobius ripoff. Mm-hmm. That like regular art. Mm-hmm. If you want mm-hmm. to draw like that from now on, I would not complain. Uh, let's, yeah. let's start with that. Uh, mm-hmm. But then number two was, I like, I just really liked the way that Fraction dodges the point one point while still fulfilling it. Like, I don't know if you've heard about this, but apparently uh, Amazing Spider-Man, whatever it is, 5, 654.1 or whatever it is, um, right. does not work as a point one issue at all because it doesn't have Spider-Man in it. It's actually a whole bit of Venom. Mm. Um, but I think the 500.1, the Iron Man, you could go into it having seen the movie and go, oh, this is where Tony Stark is in the comic books right now. Mm-hmm. and get an idea of his background in terms of the comics without being overwhelmed by it. Hmm. And I thought as a character piece that way, I, I really liked it. Right. You are uh, completely disagree, and I can tell that by the time you're finished, your points are going to be so well made that I will have decided I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think that's the case. Although it was one of those things where I, I, I have the advantage in the sense of when you said that you really liked it, I had finished reading it by that point, and I went, really? And I picked it up to revisit it. And so let me start with the list of things that um, that I also liked. I thought I thought LaRocca's work in this was, uh, like you said, it was really kind of a nice change of pace from what I remember thinking of as this sort of awkwardly photo-referenced celebrity type thing like apart from like maybe a half an Angelina Jolie face in here I thought it was pretty much refreshingly free of that um the other thing that I liked that I thought was exceptional it it reminded me a lot of the Iron Man annual with the Mandarin where the storytelling chops are pretty incredible like there's a lot of information jammed into here i thought for the most part it felt very smooth and there's an astonishing amount of variety here like there's a couple of points where i mean there's one page where tony stark is is talking of course and it is it's like a uh three by four grid so it's like a 12 panel page and right before it there was a uh, like a seven panel page it's just there's a lot of really jammed panels and then and then the work opens up a lot. Mm-hmm. So I thought actually the storytelling angle of it was really strong. Oh, really I, I, strong. I think I think it's incredibly well paced. I, I think yeah. technically it's technically it's one of Fraction's best things. Yeah, and I think Lurroka really helps because I think he does the even when there's panels when there's twelve page, well, there's twelve panels on or seven panels. I think mm-hmm. the way that Lurroka frames the images. Exactly. Really helps the impact of each image. Yeah, I think I think the other thing about that is is I think a lot of other artists would be incredibly daunted to like here's one that's four, eight yeah, here's a here's a ten panel page that's like four panels of Tony talking across the top and then two panels of him in, in the uh being visited by his AA sponsor in the hospital. Um you know 
two panels of him addressing the AA crowd, and then two panels of, you know, sort of quasi-action stuff, flashbacky type things. Just one page, incredibly busy, a huge number of transitions, and um, every everyone and everything in it is incredibly well delineated. I think we should probably give, uh, let's see here, because I don't think that the credits pop up until the credit scene. Um, yeah, I guess I guess it's just LaRocca doing all the art. It's it's incredibly well detailed. Whereas by contrast, I had read another comic just a few minutes ago, um, whose name I've already forgotten. Where <laughs> that's a good sign. <laughs> oh, you know what it is? Well, actually, I'll get to it because it's it's one of those things where it's like uh, it was the first issue of uh, Power Man and Iron Fist. Um, Wh- and which I, yeah, you and I should talk about that as well because I. I... Did that for Tycon last week, and I think I was completely at odds with everyone else on the site. Oh, interesting! I hadn't seen the article on that, um, and I'll get to that because that is another interesting point about Amazing Spider-Man that we should we should also talk about. I'm I'm totally prepared with issues here, um, but Power Man and Iron Fist. There were panels in there where it's just three people sitting at a table, and two of them don't really have faces. You know, it's just barely silhouettes. And oh, I'm like, I, I thought the Iron Power Man and Iron Fist was was a problem, and also it seemed like different artists. Does that make sense? Like, it honestly feels like different parts of the book, even different parts of the same page, are drawn by yeah. different people. Very much so. Very much so. It felt like somebody who's who's still sort of either learning their pacing or they have the parts that they love, love, that they spent hours pouring over. And then it's like, the oh, now it's, here's the scene where three people are talking. Yeah, and... exactly. I, I don't really want to draw that. I also exactly. Paramount Iron Fist had a real – was it just me or did Paramount Iron Fist feel incredibly short to you? I honestly thought it was less than 20 pages when I read it first. It just went by – not went by as in, I enjoyed it so much, it went by really quickly. It seemed really short. Well, let me tell you, here's one of the things that's interesting, because, and maybe this is how I'll clumsily tie things in, these point ones are supposed to be these jumping on points mm-hmm. um, that, you know, get you interested or, or like, allow you to, to lead in. I had picked up Amazing Spider-Man because I've been trying to pick it up since the, the big time storyline started off. Like, cause my whole complaint had been, well, I don't like the rotating artists, rotating teams. Now that it's one team, I should give it a try. Except it's not. If you've seen the solicitations for, for me. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like it's all over the map. As we but, said, like slot must've really screwed the pitch and deadlines. Yeah. I don't know have, what like, the hell happened. Seriously have fucking messed yeah. up. Which is fascinating because you may, he makes it sound as if he passed up all sorts of other work in order what to be I, what able to I focus think, on I'm this. not entirely sure it's his fault. Mm-hmm. I think what's happened is I think they're still trying, still trying to schedule it as if they've got multiple writers. And so they're asking Slot to write for like three different artists at once. Interesting. I just sort of assume that he got Justice League myself, you know, in that he had these ideas of where he was going and it was super set in place. And all of a sudden, like, Spider-Man joining the Fantastic Four. Exactly. Exactly. And we need two issues leading up to that decision. And he's like, wait, what? And it's like, oh, oh, yeah, right. And with Fear itself, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, Spider-Man's going to have the Hammer of Thor for three issues. So you're going to have to, like, <laughs> but do something. But that's a miniseries. There is a Spider-Man Fear itself miniseries. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So... So basically what happened was I picked up an issue of Spider-Man and the back half of it was a team up between Spider-Man and Power Man fighting Meteor Man. So it was like the all-man backup issue by Fred Van Lent (laughs) that they'd split into two pieces. And I even started with reading the second piece and I was like, 
I enjoyed this so much, I want to read the first part. And then I enjoyed that so much that I picked up the first issue of Power Man and Iron Fist. Um, and so, then were you disappointed? You know, I, I was disappointed by the art, but I actually am really tickled with Fred Van Lent's conception for the new Power Man. See, like, that's just I, I like the characters, and I, the story does absolutely nothing to draw me in. In fact, it might even have pushed me away. And it's real. It's weirdly frustrating because I may have said this to you in the past. Like, I had mm-hmm. an idea for, oh, if I was ever going to do Power Man and Empress, who I love, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this would be my plot. And pretty much the, he's doing the plot I had come up with. Oh, really? Yeah, seriously. Oh, wow. Um, uh... And I'm still like, I mean, honestly, I read it and I was like, wow, I'm really glad I never got the chance to do that because this sucks. <laughs> Well, wait, you I, mean I, in terms of Iron Fist taking on an apprentice? No, or... no, in terms of there is one of their old associates who's help, and they have to do all that whole thing, and Danny has oh, the right. responsible one, and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. So, but no, I, I like the new Power Man as a character. Mm-hmm. Like, I like his dialogue. I thought he was a really engaging character. He's um, super engaging. Yeah. That, but the portrayal of Danny, for some reason, did not work for me at all. Yeah, I think... I, I, it just felt weirdly at odds with the Iron Man, the Iron Fist series. Right. Right. Well, I, you know, I, I sort of thought that it was okay. I mean, I'm sort of like, I, I really, I have a very particular idea of of Danny Rand slash Iron Fist. And I, I'm always like, when people go off message, I can sort of see how in order to get him to be... uh the mentor in this relationship, it takes some finagling, you know, to kind of, in his character to make it work a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't hate that. And like I said, I really, I thought the, what I thought would be the sticking point is the new power man. I was like, Oh, that's the worst idea in the world. He's the character itself is actually great. I'm a, I'm amused that it, the issue reads kind of like if someone had did, took the Morrison Batman Robin reversal and applied it to Power Man Iron Fist, of course. You know what I mean? Like suddenly the guy who's not the one in charge is the one in charge and the one who's like, you know, is now the the plucky apprentice kind of thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um I so I, I thought that I thought the characterization of Power Man was strong enough and the characterization of Iron Fist was I'm like, well, it's kind of there and it didn't feel like it was I feel like everyone's so quick to like go right to the grim and gritty place with Iron Fist if they're not going to stay sort of on message I guess with the character and Mm -hmm. I kind of like that he wasn't quite in that area my main problem was more that it was it it tries really hard to be an incredibly fun book and then there's all sorts of really kind of uncomfortably gritty, ugly shit going on in it at the same time. Which yeah, sort yeah. of s- seems to be like, you know, comic zeitgeist, you know, 2011. And I, I kind of, I guess I probably blame it on Grant Morrison, Batman and Robin again. But every time I started enjoying stuff, it was kind of like, wait, now people are being sort of tortured and there's blood spatter on the bed. And, you know, it's kind of like they're fighting against this Blackwater team. I'm like, I I guess I'm kind of okay with it, but like, I just didn't, it just seemed weirdly out of touch when they're, when they're fighting, you know, Dawn of the Dead in the, in the first part, you know, it just seemed 
It's interesting. In First of all, Donald Zed, I still think, is one of the greatest puns in comics. Uh, I love the guy. I really was. I was just when he shows up saying, I killed your face. I'm like, okay, I want this character to pop up more. I loved him. But um, but. but I hadn't actually put the, the Batman and Robin together, like, connection there until mm-hmm. you said it. And now it's like, Donald Zed completely seems like a Morrison character. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It just, it did not work for me. It did not work for me as, as a uh, an issue at all. Part of, partly was the artist horrifically mm-hmm. uneven. Partly was it honestly just felt so incredibly slight. I mean, I read, I accounted the pages after I finished reading, right? Because I was like, "This has got like something's gone wrong." This is like sixteen pages, and it's mm-hmm. like twenty-two. Yeah, it's like twenty-two pages. Um, uh, but part partly is I think that as much as I like Van Lent or Van Lente or however you say his name, um, mm-hmm. I think that he his pacing really on this this issue he gives like a page for the guy saying you better give me the right answer and then the cliffhanger is the same yeah joke punchline whatever and again he gives it a full page yeah and that honestly feels like he's just stretching mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. It, it feels very forced it feels very odd um and the, the whole no, issue I'm... kind of felt like that to me the whole issue felt like it didn't flow as much as like he's like well i've got to set this up i've got to set this up i've got to set this up Okay, I'll fill the rest somehow. Yeah, it's it, cloudy. It, it did that, not. That... It did not work for me, and and yeah. I really felt disappointed in it, which is a shame because, like I said, I liked Power Man as a character. I liked mm-hmm. him more than anyone else in there. If it had been a Power Man uh, series, and it had, I don't know, been lighter somehow. Well, yeah, like exactly. it had more willing to be more about Dawn of the Dead than mm-hmm. the death of Crime Buster, then right. I would have enjoyed it so much more. Yeah, I I really had a a weird, weird feeling. I mean, I sort of see why, like, there's even a case to be made. Some of the grittier stuff actually works because Power Man is so up and happy and oblivious to it. Like, when he gets shot in the back of the head in the book, it's kind of this great thing. He's like, awesome, I can't wait to turn this, put this bullet on a necklace. Like, I was just like, wow, that's incredibly winning. Like, that, that scene really charmed me. But... Yeah, there's a... I feel like, I guess Van Lent isn't necessarily strong enough a scripter to be able to carry everything on his own. So I feel like the artist, who was all over the place, like you said, it really does seem like a different book in different scenes, um, like, it, it didn't... It, it didn't cohere like that first three page sequence where they introduced Pagliacci and the clown and the, and all that other stuff seems so incongruous with the very next scene, which feels yes. incongruous with the very next scene that I can see why it felt slight because you're really reading like, you know, what five, four page scenes rather than a 20 page comic, you know, um, or a 22 page. But comic. I, I just, I thought it was funny because I finished it and I was like, that feels shorter than whatever, like flash issue nine, which is 20 pages. It felt shorter than the two half issues in a way of this amazing Spider-Man, you know, that were a two part story clumped together, you know, and maybe again, that's because of the art, but that at least felt like one full issue of Marvel team up when, when, when sutured together as opposed to this. So, Anywho, to jump back to Iron Man, I was say, we, we completely skipped off five hundred point one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so what disappoints you about it? You told me what you like about it, but you've not told me what you haven't. Uh, 
I thought that it was among the more emotionally dishonest stories that I think I've ever read. Uh, oh, I, I honestly, why. what's part, that? Tell me why. In part because I think what I liked about it was I felt like Fraction was writing about his own experience in a way that he hasn't done in anything outside Casanova. Okay. If that is the case, I would have to say my personal take on it is is that Fraction needs to go to alcohol at AA meetings a lot more often. Now, I, I should totally qualify this with saying that um, I, I myself am not an alcoholic. I have never been to AA meetings, but uh, I had a friend who um, decided that he had a drinking problem and that he needed to clean up and started going to AA and, and worked the system, you know, really, really was like the type of guy who's doing like three meetings a week. And I would hang out with him and ask him a lot of questions. And he was incredibly generous because I've been fascinated with it, AA for like a long time. And it's also worth mentioning that, um, I read and loved, uh, David Foster Wallace's, uh, infinite jest which has huge huge sections set at aa meetings um some of them might be i mean in fact i think he works very hard to fold a lot of it are drug addicts at supposedly na meetings but they're actually very based in aa so uh wallace goes to huge huge lengths to talk about the politics of what happens in the meetings what how people respond to what people are saying in the meetings. And I sort of had this like kind of backup of having a friend who was really, really, like I said, very, very much uh, into working the system and, and making it work for him. So when you say working system, that to me has negative connotations. Yeah. I'm probably using the wrong term because I'm a little addled, but it, 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 it is not, it's actually, uh, to, to to work the system or whatever the term that I'm sure that many people who attend AA are now yelling. Are, are you meaning like make the system work as opposed to work? Yes, you make it work for you. In, in other words, in order to make AA work, you have to continue to work the system. You have to do the steps, right? So you also have to sort of honor the rules of the system. So here's like a classic example. One of the things that, that is going on with... Uh, the Invincible Iron Man is like on page, I think it's like maybe page five where he talks about flirting with the women. And then he talks about how he would like reach for either the, the woman or the bottle or both. And he says, hell, before this meeting, I was so nervous. I got a number out of you, didn't I? And this woman's got the little ellipses comment. Then it's a reaction shot on her and Stark says, I mean, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even use it, but I had to try and get it. But that's not you. That's me. That's on me. And I'm sorry. So one of the things when my friends started going to AA, like all the time, I was like, awesome. He's going to get a totally awesome girlfriend who totally is also cleaning up and they're going to work on their issues together and they're going to clean up. Right. And so I asked him about it. It's, it's, it's not even like a secret unspoken thing. It's actually out there pretty upfront that you are not supposed to flirt in AA. You're not supposed to try and pick up other people because I'll wait till the dog finishes talking. Uh, (laughs) That might take some time. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm like, Gus Gus has points to say also as a recovering alcoholic. I, I, um, I also actually knew which dog was. Oh, was it? <laughs> <laughs> I took a blind stab. Uh, so uh, so there's there's a thing where like that that maneuver in that on that page struck me as like again i had this thing if i hadn't known that fraction had talked about being an alcoholic and being an aa and da 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 i was like well so why doesn't he know that like it's pretty well understood that it's verboten for people to hit on each other and everyone like i said kind of knows that because the idea is that you're so emotionally raw and you are learning to be a person again and a whole person like there's probably still a ton, a ton of AA hookups. I'm sure of it. But the idea that this is something that he did and the woman seems super shocked by seems really, like, utterly ignorant. Um, a- another thing that really shocked me was in AA, one of the things they talk about is how important the truth is, you know, that the thing that will drive you back to your addiction again and again and again so, you know, sooner rather than later is by being dishonest with yourself, but especially with other people. So the idea that Tony Stark is in AA and is not telling them that he's Iron Man and is constructing this whole conceit about, you know, his, what he loves, which he makes it sound is something other than being Iron Man. And we see the difference you get a panel where he's like, oh, yeah, 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 you know, that fin fang foom thing, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, they just, they tend to get lost in the details. Is one of those, like, weird, patronizing, dishonest moves. Like, it's one of those things where I'm kind of like, it, it just didn't, it didn't feel right to me. I really did. I had this moment of, like, I really don't, like, it, if it hadn't been for him talking about being an AA, I would, Fraction himself, I'm not sure I would have believed it. It seemed really inauthentic. Like, there was a lot of stuff that was like, okay, here's how I'm going to craft my story. Here's how the metaphor that I've come up with it. Here's the conceit, which is great. But it, it, it really rang false and hollow to me in a way that, like, reverberated throughout the pages. Um, I, have, also, I have multiple points to respond to. <laughs> yes. So you're also a name I will respond. Uh, also, I think by the end, like, one of the emotional state things, which is... Uh, when he talks to Pepper on the phone and he f- and he finds out that they had sex when he was mindless, I assume from like uh, yeah during the yeah he's lost yeah he's lost his whole memory of that he was devolving that right I understand I had read that scene so I know I can't imagine that anyone jumping onto this book has the slightest idea of what in the name of God is going on there no but... I, I thought I also thought that was like throwing away something that sh- should have happened more. I don't know, on panel or strength or something. Yeah, that seems like like the last two pages of the book where basically he has that conversation and then he goes back and picks up the girl Mm -hmm. um, were, to my mind, the major flaws of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, really well up until that point. And then I was like, really? Yeah. Um, Yes. But to respond to everything else, firstly, I'm not sure Fraction said that he's an AA as much as he's a recovering alcoholic. True. Uh, although, he, he, in which case I mean, he's I'm, getting... I'm, he might have. I'm just not sure that he, he is going to AA meetings. 
Well, when you talk about like having a sponsor, like maybe he got a sponsor through some other process or program, but that's pretty much a traditional part of things. So when he's interviewing his sponsor and he talks about being in the room and picking out your sponsor, like there were moments I'm like, okay, I'm assuming like, I feel like he went to. He, he basically meetings. went so far up to the saying, I'm an A, saying it. Uh, yeah, I, th- I kind of thought so. I, it, it's it's pretty well laid out that he's in some sort of system in which there's sponsors and uh, it, again you're right maybe it's not because I don't think he actually maybe didn't come right out and say it but which is why I was thinking I'm like but he's got a sponsor a celebrity sponsor mind you the the, um, uh, the other thing I think is I I guess I just think it's interesting how you and I respond to the material differently is that I think that. Tony comes across as being um, honest and dishonest at once in the way that he's retelling his story. Mm-hmm. I think that he definitely believes he's being honest, but that he's not being fully honest, and I think that's intentional. I think it's I think it's meant to say something about Tony as a character. Yeah, Graham, I, I know. I sort of looked at that angle too, and I was like, I feel like that's being that's working really hard to be generous because i i'm not i i looked through it trying to figure out if there were areas in which i was misreading it in fact i even went through a period of going like wait a minute maybe there's a point where whenever he uses the um what we would call a widescreen panel was an area where he was being dishonest like i looked at it real consistently to see if that was the way that he was using it mm-hmm. Um, or even when he's talking about the Iron Man character being a shell, but he doesn't about the armor being a shell, but he doesn't really seem to follow through with it. Certainly, with him leaving with a woman, the idea that he has traded one addiction, his alcoholism, for kind of another, which is his womanizing, and therefore he's still flawed, and et cetera, et cetera. I really would like to, maybe I'm a traditionalist, but I would like those things to perhaps be made a little more manifest and explicit by saying, oh, I don't know, like some sort of visual reference, <laughs> you know, like a little devil on his shoulder, like poking him going, yeah, do it, Tony, do it. No, I, you know, or <laughs> why maybe I, something. Why I would love to have a little miniature Iron Man devil on his shoulder doing that i'm not sure we're going to see that in modern marvel comics sadly i don't know i just i i got what i got from it was that this is when he's trying to be emotionally honest but Mm -hmm. when he is unable to just be 100 honest that he has to be vague that if he Mm -hmm. can't outright lie he has to be vague right um and that part of that is the and I, th- I think it plays differently depending on where you are with the character. Like, as, as someone who has read other issues of Fraction Tron and other Iron Man series, I feel mm-hmm. it's a, a character flaw of Tony's. Mm-hmm. Was there someone coming fresh to the character now might think, well, it's a, it's a secret identity thing mm-hmm. that he can't come in and say it. But I, I think it's intentional. I don't. I think the fact that he doesn't like, you know, and my shell is Iron Man is not... I, I think it's. I think you're meant to get caught on that. I think you're meant See, to like. I, I, I would really, because I personally think that it's kind of it comes off as a clever metaphor that no, someone was like, yeah, "Oh yeah." I, I think. I think you're meant to think that. I think you're meant to think 
Tony has come up with this metaphor for himself and his experience. Yes. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong. Uh, don't get me wrong. I am sure that somewhere in Portland, Matt Fraction patted himself on the back when he came up with the metaphor himself. Mm-hmm. But I think it's I think it's also meant to be something that you that the reader is aware of. That it's it's a conceit as opposed to being honest. I, I do think that, well, let's see. I personally would think, because there are AA meetings where people can end up being pretty heavily critiqued for other people, there's a sense that if you go to a lot of meetings, the more, the sort of like the more you go, the more honest you get. Like, because people will, people can sense the bullshit because you're in a room with a bunch of other alcoholics you're in a room with a bunch of other liars you're with, you're in a room with a bunch of other people who are used to bullshitting and deceiving and using other people to feed their own addiction and i feel like it would maybe be a little more honest to have somebody to me it might be dramatically more interesting to oh, have oh if someone had responded as opposed to the silent panel yeah. of everyone applauding yes yeah, where it's like he says all this stuff and you think, oh, wow, he's really come a long way. And then you've got three panels of somebody saying, like, you are still in the thick of it. You are still in the midst of your addiction and you are patting yourself on the back for something that you have failed to do. That might be dramatic. It might be a bit of a twist more than like, I'm going to go in and pick up a chick. Uh, I just feel like, honestly, I as always feel like you are super generous Graham with material and I think that is entire I think that's awesome. I just think but I really am. I put down this book going like Matt Fraction needs to go to more AA meetings. I really did. That's really funny because I always feel like I'm hypercritical, especially of Fraction's work. Yeah. Well uh I uh, if it makes you feel better you're not. Well that's that's, that's good. Hey Matt No 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 I mean buddies. um <laughs> I don't know. I just I I I I definitely had a much more charitable experience with it than you did. Yeah, which I think is great. I mean, I, 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 like I said, do I do not have the uh, experience that you. Well, see, I've got this. Is it? I've got second or third hand experience. Yeah, but I don't even it, have that. Is my point? Uh, yeah, but but I just I don't know. I, again, I'm like maybe it worked for other people. I think that it did. I just I there was. I would like to think that even if I hadn't had that part of me would be rubbed the wrong way by it. On the other hand, there's there's that great scene where, like, um, you know, the guy dies in front of Tony's eyes, and it's just, like, three panels of, you know, ellipses while the guy's eyes roll slowly up in his head. There's some great storytelling stuff in here. I just, I really was, like, it's... I honestly think that, that, that Fraction, and this, this is sort of the sort of thing that I'm sure makes anyone you know, want to punch either me or themselves in the face, I, I think he's too easily pleased with himself. I, I think it makes sense. He's a super, super smart guy, but I think he's still, he like Tony Stark, he's very, very easily pleased and a little arrogant as a result. And I think he lets himself off the hook too much. So, I, I, um, now, now that you said that, again, did you read this week's, or the last week's Casanova interview with Justin Harbin? I did super, super, super recently, and I thought it was very interesting, actually. But do, um, do see what's the trick? I came away from that thinking that he, I've been in the past, and so have you said that like he lost a certain self awareness. And I thought mm-hmm. that when he was talking to Harbin, 
there was a glimpse behind the public map fraction for a second. Mm-hmm. The bit where he basically says that he doesn't know what he's doing and he's writing all this stuff because he doesn't know what else to do, I thought was fascinating. Yeah, I thought so too. And I thought that he was really, really super open about the, he's like, his like, I made enough money on my independent creator-owned non-superhero work to buy an iPhone. And talking about working on the Steven Soderbergh model and then having it not work. I thought I thought all that stuff was incredibly strong but, but, I, and dude, honest. But, and candid, after, but, but after he says that, do you still feel that he is being too easy on himself? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. But because because I feel like on the one hand he's working it as hard as he can, and on the other. No, I mean it. I don't know why that I feel because I feel like on the one hand, what he's saying is is he doesn't know why the business end of things doesn't work out, and he doesn't, you know, and he's what he's saying is he's just trying to. I think that's different from the creative end of things. I don't think that he's like puts down. I don't feel like he's hacking any of the work out for Marvel by by any means. I just also feel that. Uh, what do I feel? I feel what do you feel? I, I, yeah, it's going to be really hard to, to like nail down here. And I feel like I'm just sort of flailing about. I just, I just feel that he, um, is incredibly, incredibly strong when it comes to technique. And I feel that he is incredibly glib when it comes to psychology and is really quick to, to think that something's good enough and to kind of let it go, which would totally be fine if I think that he was crafting, by and large, super fast, kind of sleek, um, you know, formalist kind of reading experiences. But I feel like what he's trying to do is he, he takes a lot of pride at trying to take these things sort of psychologically seriously and I feel like he always ends it, he always stops it a little short. And Gus Gus agrees with me. <laughs> well, you know, you're, you're making a lot of sense. <laughs> See, as as I'm an entirely different floor from the dog. I, that's how loud he is. I know. I know. I, I figured you were recording up in your office, and I figured he was, like, down in the front, right in front of the front doorway. Yeah, and that's terrifyingly loud. Just imagine that, what it'd be like if he was in the room. That dog must be 90% lung, because it's not a very t- big dog. He's 90% you know? barking. Yeah, exactly. So, so anyway, yes, now that I've I've pissed on your parade... Uh, I, I, and... I think you definitely have, and I hate you for it. hate you. <laughs> Hey, I would ask, did you actually eventually track down that flashbook? I did, and read it this morning. And I have to say, I was like, oh, like... Do you see what I mean about it being such a Jeff Johns thing? It is, and isn't it kind of that thing that you kind of half thought in the back of your head it was going to be and kind of secretly hoped that it wouldn't? Listeners, I should explain that uh, while Jeff and I were talking about this podcast and emails, I was like, have you seen Flash 9 with Hot Pursuits? And Jeff was like, no, I haven't. And I was like, his secret identity is such a Jeff Johns thing. It's something yeah. totally don't see coming, because why would you see it coming? Yeah. But then once it's there, you're like, oh, of course. Right. Well, no, because I think I had in my brain, like, once it was mentioned that, that Flashpoint was a police officer, I was like, okay, is it 
no. You know, like I was like, okay, I was I, running I down. I honestly downstairs. did not think for a second that Hot Pursuit's identity was in any way important. Like, I don't remember seeing anything where someone's like, who is Hot Pursuit's? <laughs> I remember them being like, he's awesome, but like that, I don't remember anyone being like, and wait till you see who's under the helmet. And oh, so that's see. why I didn't have any like, am I supposed to care? But then I thought there not, were full-page like, promos that were like, I, who is Hot Pursuit? But I honestly... I don't remember. I I paused myself a bit. <laughs> uh, I'll say this much for the most recent flash, though. Francis Manipal's art, I think, has really come along since the first arc. Mm-hmm. I I thought it looked so much sharper this time, and, and I really really liked it. Yeah, I thought I thought it was actually pretty good. Although I I thought the weakest points were the chasing action sequences. Oh yeah, I, that, thought... I think that. That's been the point since since day one. I think Manipal, for all of his skills, and I think he's an incredibly skilled artist, cannot really get the idea of speed across in the way that other artists can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really big problem when you're drawing the fucking Flash. Absolutely. Uh, I was I kind of really I shocked. terrifically miscast in this book, which is a shame because mm-hmm. I think he's a great artist. Yeah, I think he is too. And honestly, I thought all the all the crime detective stuff about the elongated kid that worked fine. Like, and even you've got even got scenes that are playing out via cell phone by and large. I was, uh, I was actually and, the elongated kid. They only bring him on to kill him. Seriously, we couldn't even see him for a second. That made <laughs> it really did. I was like, I would I would like to have seen more of the elongated kid. Oh, I know. Me too. I was kind of. I haven't been following DC. I was like. They went to such lengths to explain him. I'm like, okay, was he in a book that nobody was reading, or did they just introduce him and kill him? They just, because, they just made him up to kill him. Yeah, and I, I have to say, give I give Jeff John some credit. Like, as far as a disposable superhero goes, like that was kind of perfect because I see so many super. You know, you see disposable like, oh, so and so was created and then was killed and. And this was like I was like, wow, I kind of feel the loss because I would have I would have read about the elongated kid. You know what I mean? Like all this stuff was like that's a really clever, fun little twist on the concept. Something he would have thrown into JSA, and I like the idea that that he did that, and it kind of made you feel like I don't know, not exactly that you can feel the loss, but you do have that little element of like, oh, that ah, I'm sort of sorry that's not yeah, I'm, I'm sorry we never, I'm that. sorry we never saw him yeah, exactly so. Uh, yeah, so I thought that, I thought that was actually quite fine, but I was impressed that, you know, of course for me, I'm like, oh boy, full on flashpoint action. It's like three scenes of like really sort of poorly delineated storytelling. So, well, we're five pages. Um, so just talking about elongated kid is reminding me, are you, have you been reading any of Chris Robinson's Superman and or Superman Batman? Uh, I read the, I want to say the, I'm probably an issue behind because I, I read the, the one that sort of started off exactly the way that you described with all the action stuff, the flashback stuff, people saying that he's not right in the show up of the Superman squad at the yes. end of it. I the, think the next issue, uh, together with his second issue of Superman Batman mm-hmm. is one of those things where honestly I read and I was like, this this guy should be writing Superman just because of like the amount of stuff he just drops in that you're like, oh, of course. Right. And I'm ruining nothing by saying this, but um, the Superman squad appear in, in the uh, end of the issue, Red, and the following issue, they take 
to the gathering for all the Superman to time, the Fortress of Solidarity. Ah. Uh... Which is just, you're like, of course. Like, no one's mm-hmm. thought about it, but then, why not? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's lovely. No, that first issue, I was like really impressed at how strong it was right out of the gate, and it kind of struck me as like, dude, trying to like, it wasn't just like kind of pissing away JMS's point. It was just like, okay, here's how to sort of tweak it and make it sort of do double duty. Um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing the next issue. Uh, should, the idea of him writing also... Superman and Batman should sounds great. Oh, you should hunt down his two issues, if only because there's a part in the. So it's basically about the Lord of Time, who has appeared in various Justice Leagues in the past. Oh, yeah. Um, and it starts off with him fighting the Justice League from JLA 1 million. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's the first issue. And then the second issue, he goes back and he fights the original Superman and Batman. Mm-hmm. But as a result of that fight, he then gets lost in time. And there's two pages where you just see him traveling through time, fighting Superman and Batman from different eras. Uh-huh. And so... Roberson just comes up with new ones. Oh, that's great. He's like, oh yeah, here's Superman's son who's fighting alongside Damian Wayne. And Superman's son has like a proper red cloak with a hood and everything and a glowing two replacing the Superman shield. Then he goes <laughs> to the 31st century where it's Batman and Superwoman, but there's also mm-hmm. a Kent Shakespeare. Uh, and then he goes to uh, the unknown Superman from All-Star Superman, oh, who's teamed great. up with Batsmen who is a Batman who, for some reason, glows, but also seems to be able to magically produce bats from his costume. <laughs> and all of that, I'm like, I would read all, more of all of this. And exactly. he, he does the same thing in the, in the Superman issue with the Fortress of Solidarity, with Super Batman. Yeah, Super Batman. I've been hearing about Super Batman thanks to Dan Dean Tripp, and I'm like, hmm, tell me more. Exactly. And you're like, he just seems to like effortlessly come out with this. Yeah. And all of this stuff, you're like, I would read more of that. I would read more of all of this. And that's why I'd love to see him do, like, Superman the way he wants. Do you know what I mean? Not finishing off someone else's story, but instead be, mm-hmm. oh, Superman's meant to be full of imagination. Right. Right. And I actually have some imagination to spare, so let me use it. So, yeah, no, I think that sounds great. Uh, I, I do kind of hope... Oh, no, you know, Superman Batman's kind of interesting, because I always felt like the fact that it's sort of still being publish i was kind of like yeah i'm sure somebody could do some great batshit crazy stuff in that title in part because nobody's reading it and it seems out of continuity uh but i just haven't tracked it enough to know that people have or were well i i, I pretty much dropped off after um Loeb left uh but i know that esther really loved um there was a, a long run where it was like two right from heroes i think they were doing it and yeah. Esther, Esther really liked it. Esther really appreciated it. And it was still out of continuity then. And I, uh, on Twitter today, I saw um, Will Moss, who may be the editor or assistant editor of it, um, was talking about Colin Bunn, who has been writing The Six Gun for Oni, mm. is coming on for like a six part arc mm. that is apparently awesome and starts today. So huh. I'll, I'll check that out as well. I like I like Superman Batman in theory. Yeah. Um, I, part well, of the reason I like it is I like that it's pretty much out of continuity. Do you know what I mean? It's right. Like, hey, and this is because, for example, the Superman uh, and Batman in Robertson's run are the one million uh, era, mm-hmm. and then like the nineteen seventy Superman Batman, so it's Robin the Teen Wonder. Mm, nice. Do you know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. it's nice that you can pretty much be like, well, it is still Superman and Batman. <laughs> yeah. It's just not the ones you're expecting. Um, yeah. 
And I got the layer. And it was that someone would do that with Justice League. Yeah, I you know it's funny. I I of course took Esther quite seriously when she was talking about it, and I picked up a few, I I picked up by which I mean browsed through a few issues in the store, and it just wasn't doing it for me at the time. So it may be something where I've got to work harder at that. Because at the time I was like, oh hey great, and it was it felt like old, you know how like um, kind of felt like the Justice League after Joe Kelly left where it was like oh, everyone yeah. was trying to figure out how to sort of top Morrison and Kelly, and they somehow just were kind of tonally not on it, I guess. That's kind of what it felt like for me at the time, and I, I don't know why. Uh, did you read either Wolverine 5 or Wolverine 5.1? No, I'm um, very much not on my Wolverine. I find Wolverine's solo title um, not particularly enticing at the best yes. times, it has to be said. Well, um, I know that you like the, the Ghost to Hell arc, so I might pick it up and trade or something. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because uh, this is part of why I part of why I brought it up. I shamefully admit is it seemed unlikely you would say like, "What about Wolverine five and five point one? Have you read that, Jeff?" And I could give my opinion, so I had to I had to judo my way into it. I you was did kinda... very well. If you hadn't pointed it out, I wouldn't know. <laughs> well, it was so emotionally dishonest. Uh, so Wolverine 5.1 is pretty much, I th- I think, by and large, almost ruined by the art. Um, Who's the artist? It's, uh, the artist is Hefte Paolo. Oh, uh, Hefte Paolo. Uh, did you see The Daily Show last night? Oh, no, you don't. You don't watch. <laughs> you don't watch television. Um, <laughs> the Daily Show last night started off with a, like, they had a whole thing where they're like, is it Chris Dodd? Is that the... Mm-hmm. Who's who's the congressman who did the photo to the girl on Craigslist? Oh, uh, I don't know. I do want to say that it's Dodd. Uh... I think it's Chris Dodd. I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, Christopher if, Dodds. If, yeah, it if is there Chris is a, Dodd. Okay, I was going to say a real Chris Dodd who I'm offending and getting into legally actionable waters. So I apologize. Um, but no, they started the thing where it's like, you know, that news story broke when Egypt was going on, and so no one really paid enough attention to it. But we're going to deal with it right now. And then John Oliver's like, no, no, wait, there's uh, a community center that's named after former mayor of this town. And George Shearer's like, why is that a big deal? The guy, his cousin's name was Harry Balls. <laughs> <laughs> and so Hefty Paolo makes me think of, like, instead of the, like, I presume it's J-E-F-T-E, it makes me think of H-E-F-T-Y. Like, a very large man. It's Hefty Paolo. It's Hefty. Yeah, I'm, and I'm sure he was probably. I'm, I'm, I have no doubt as a guy who you know mispronounced uh, Magneto's you know name until I was like thirty that uh, I probably have it wrong. Magneto makes sense. Thanks very much. What's that? Magneto makes sense. It does, doesn't it? Um, uh, yes. It's magnets. It's spelled I, right I, there. Magneto. I'm there with you. I'm there with you right there. <laughs> Are you doing that weird thing where you're like leaning back in your chair? I was leaning forward, but yes. Weird. You were so far away from wherever your <laughs> microphone source was. I the same thing. <laughs> anyway, That's sorry. Terrible. Wolverine 5.1. Okay, so Wolverine 5.1 is, I would have to say, a mess. Uh, the gist of it is that uh, Wolverine's girlfriend, like, okay, so... First off, Wolverine 5, he gets out of hell, 
Um, I kind of like where they went with the hell concept because essentially the whole wolf, basically Logan encounters his dad, his actual father in hell, who's like half helped with all these hijinks to be able to like have a few minutes with him. And he just basically wants to tell Logan that he is, he's proud of him. He's proud of all the, you know, he's like, I just wanted to tell you, I'm truly proud of you, son. I really am. And he talks about how, because, because of Wolverine, like his family name is sort of, you know, revered. He's, you've done more for our family than I ever could have imagined. You made ours a name to be feared and respected. Which is ironic considering he's not using his real name. Yeah, I was kind of like, I think he means in hell where everyone actually knows who he is. Yeah, but um, it was it was kind of a it's filled with nice moments. And then a there's sort of a there's kind of the ending sort of turns to kind of complete bullshit. Like Logan manages to half climb out of hell and then, you know, the magical exorcism puts him back in his body um, and the X-Men sort of show up to kick his ass because of everything his possessed body's been done. And it's also, it's like, oh, he thinks he had trouble in hell. It's nothing once the red right hand gets a hold of him. This is just the wait, beginning. Wait, wait, and wait I'm like, the red right hand? So Nick Cave yeah. is coming after Wolverine? Which is great, right? Like, there's kind of... If, it's, only, if only the leader of the red right hand was actually Nick Cave. Or someone who looks just like Nick Cave. That would be Unfor- so great. Wouldn't it be great? I mean, this is the thing. The The Red Right Hand is a great name for an evil secret organization. I am all about ripping off, you know, pop culture and reinfusing it in weirdo ways back into comics. The Red Right Hand, who we've met in previous back issue stories, is probably among the dumbest group of characters I've ever seen Seriously? assembled. They're, they're like, they make Dawn of the Dead look good. It's like guys who are like, hey, oh. First of all, Dawn of the Dead is kind of cool. Dawn of the Dead is great, but he's also great in a weird, cheesy, yeah. you know, senior suerte, senior muerte kind of way. You know, like he's supposed to be that way. Red right hand are like guys. It's like uh, this is like a you know Gunnosaurus Rex. He's like a pterodactyl with like revolvers in each hand. It's not quite that level of it, but it's really really close. Like there's like there's like a lucha libre guy, and there's a few other guys. Like I said, with somebody who's like hand is a gun, and I'm just like, this is really wait wait the guy whose hand is a gun. It's not Bushwhacker, is it? I don't think so. Uh, gonna, do you not remember Bushwhacker from Daredevil? It's, he's, uh, he's an Amishanti character. Mm, I'm sorry, what did you say? He's an he's an Amish and what character? Is it not Amishanti? Is that not how you pronounce her name? Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, it yeah. Is. He, he, um, created, she created him. Like, he, he was like this crazy assassin guy who could turn his hand into a gun. Uh, yeah, that sounds, that does, right, that does actually sound familiar to me. Um, yeah, it's about that bad. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) seriously. It was awesome. Also, the reason I'm asking was he only ever appeared when Daredevil and Wolverine teamed up. (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying that you think that this could be the same character as what you're saying, Yeah, would it not be? God damn it. Why would I, why, Graham, why don't you know this stuff? Why do I have to go and look it up on the internet? Hold on a second. I don't read the Wolverine comic. Uh, it's no excuse. You know all this other crap. Why won't they show pictures? Oh, yeah. Okay. Current members are Gunhawk 2, Shadow S, 
fire knives, sawfist. Wait, yeah. we're making this shit up. Sawfist, cannon foot, and other members. Wait, wait, so, wait, 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 wait. Sawfist and cannon foot? Yeah. <laughs> wow, Our, Jason Aaron's got to be doing this as Joe, right? Well, see, and this is it. Like, he probably is, but they're also supposed to be part of this, like, unbelievable deadly organization that is going to actually, you know, give Logan the, like, killifying of his life. So, With let me move. and cannon foot. Yeah. Wait, yeah. It, does cannon foot have a cannon as, for a foot? Yeah, I think he really does. <laughs> um, wow. That's great. I'm going to shoot you as long as I can hop. As long as I can lift my foot. I don't know. There's probably a more. I I just read these comics, Graham. I'm not supposed to retain these. Like, Uh, isn't that supposed to be what we do? You said there's like, like war knives or fire knives or something? Fire knives. See, they should have kept like the body part knife thing together. Shoulder blades. Come on. See, there we go. There we go. Yeah, exactly. Jason, you can take that one. Yeah. You know, there's other members, apparently, potentially. So, yeah, fire go. knives. Sh- shoulder blades, I'm, I'm throwing in there. Um, right, kneecaps. Ro- ro- rotator cuff. Come on. Oh, very good. Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, oh, finger nails. No, wait, <laughs> See? No, that works. It, it pretty much... Oh, eyelashes. The woman with the 90-foot See? lashes that she uses as whips, right? There you go. See, this is this is mustache wax. I don't I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Wait, no. Handlebar mustache and people can ride him. Oh, there we go. He transforms into like some sort of like it's a hot person's bike. <laughs> <laughs> See, put the two of them in a hey, race so, against so, the mountain of judgment well, and I would be all over that. Again, I'm gonna spoil um flash for so now that we know that Hot Pursuit is actually Flashpoint Barry Allen, right? Why Why did you spoil that? I don't even know why you, like, we managed to make it an hour into the podcast, and you're like, by the way, no, okay, no. yes. Hey, it came out last week. By the time this goes up, it's going to be two weeks old. People, I'm going to spoil Flash for you. Sorry. Um, I want a Kid Flash. I want a Flashpoint Kid Flash. I, I'm, I'm sure there will be. Are, is it going to be? Ride, and he'll, he'll be awesome. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. What he's called Bitchin' Ride? Yes. That is <laughs> that is really good, Graham. Bitchin' Ride. Or or wait, no, Bitchin' Wheels. Wouldn't it be Bitchin' Wheels? Oh, Bitchin' Wheels, yes. That's yeah. <laughs> Graham McMillan, you are a genius. I uh I, I love try. That <laughs> tremendously. Okay, so Wolverine five point one with the terrible art. Wolverine has gotten out of hell, so of course his girlfriend is going to throw him a surprise birthday party. So, <laughs> that should do. Well, he probably needs light lighting up. He's just been to hell. Exactly. So all these superheroes show up at this big lodge that they've all flown out to, and she's done all this stuff to make sure that he's going to have an actual surprise birthday. He, however, on the way to this cabin while walking through the snow, comes across a truck where the... Uh, someone has been injured and abducted. So he begins the process of tracking uh, tracking down the people who have abducted him. And it is these two guys, Jesus, I don't remember the names of them, the Buzzard Brothers, right? They are two cannibals. And one of them has a gun. Actually, they both have guns that have been hand-carved out of bone. Uh, 
that shoot teeth bullets. They shoot bullets that are actual to- teeth that get oh wedged in people's God. heads. Okay. Yeah. So, so this is this is five point one. This is the jumping on point. So, Wolverine gets ambushed. He's there. They're getting ready to carve him up and eat him. And of course, he manages to snickify people. And it's a whole bunch of cannibal hijinks, hillbilly cannibals, who at the end of it. And this is what drives me crazy. They're in prison. They actually get recruited by the Hand to work for the Hand. Wait, 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 wait. The Hand or the Red Hand? Because there is, of course, the Hand. Yes, and there's the Red Right Hand. So, yes, no, there is the Hand, which is supposedly the more traditional uh, ninja organization from Daredevil, uh, recruits, I'm assuming, because it does show ninjas on the last page, like, who are like, yes. We are admirers of your work. Okay, so these are like two unwashed hillbillies, you know, who've just been cannibalizing people that have now been recruited no, but, for but you know ninja death why, squad. But you know why? They're using a body part as a weapon. That's the red hand, right hand thing. They're obviously like online every day in red right. <laughs> I'm being like normal death, normal death. Oh. Someone has been beaten to death with a femur. Let's right. fight over there. And they'd be like, you know, blood femur, come and join us. <laughs> blood femur. <laughs> come, dark meniscus. You, you are exactly. the man that we need. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So, so here's my thing, is I feel like after enjoying the first four issues of the book, I feel that it has gone tremendously off the rails. Uh and maybe not maybe it's what they are actually doing for a good grief this marvel comic book database is the most it's all just people kissing along the sideline of the banner it's really kind of interesting what yeah like marvel, if you marvel go marvel.wikia.com like if you go to it it's the marvel database database is a heart i guess but like it is all it's like Black Cat and Spider-Man and Wolverine and Jean Grey. Oh my god, so it is. Scarlet Witch. Like, they're all just smooching. Which oh, it's, it's, I guess it's is... probably um, Valentine's Day related. Of course. Of course. We'll have to check in and see what it is in a week or two. But I kind of had this moment of like, huh, that's weirdly inappropriate. Is it like, did this thing grow out of some sort of like fanfic database or like it really was? And there is of Mm -hmm. course the famous um, Captain America kissing the Scarlet Witch. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like I'm like, that barely existed for like three and a half seconds in real continuity, you know? Uh, That was part of why. It never properly existed because theoretically that was part of Scarlet Witch being insane. Like that was actually part of the plot. Yeah, that she made that happen. It happened during Disassembled, yeah. Yeah, right, exactly. She manipulates reality to make it happen, and yeah, and it's weird and skeevy. No, actually, I've, I'm impressed by how much of the, the kissing on this stuff is, like, kind of not the traditional pairings. Like, it seems very, like, that's why I was like, we've got fanfickers on our hands. You know, just the fact that you've got Submariner and Sue kissing. Yes, you that's know. completely untraditional. It's Rogan Gambit, I've never heard of that before either. You are a poopy face, Graham. I, I am. You, I mean, hey, all right, I'm just going to sulk here. You're right. Anyway, so Wolverine, like, I feel like it's this weird, like, 
I'm very frustrated because I feel like Jason Aaron, who normally was hitting sort of a good sweet spot, seems to be swinging into more of sort of a more. <sighs> it's a little closer to the stuff that he was doing on Ghost Rider, but I was like, huh? Can he not? Can he not nail the tone that he's shooting for, or is he just sticking safe to his comfort zone, or does he really believe that this is what everyone wants? Because I honestly think that this is the opposite of the biggest storyline yet. I feel like this is really going to to miss the boat by like a huge, huge margin. Well, here's a question. What do you think everyone wants? That is a really good question. I myself... Because when it comes am, to Wolverine, I have no idea. Uh, I, think, I think, honestly, I think everyone has a big variation on, on what they do and don't want. I, looking at, at the sales of what people traditionally want, like I guess you would say what you want is something a little bit like Enemy of the State. You want yeah, Wolverine you, you being a badass and a lot of You can't have that forever. I agree. I agree. I totally I agree with you, um, but I'm not necessarily saying about forever. What I would say is, is that people – what I think people want is they want Wolverine doing cool shit quote unquote, maybe with a TM and a reg- you know, registered trademark. Uh, and they also want a certain amount of male self-pity. I think part of the reason why Wolverine fit really well into that, well, can fit so well into sort of a cr- gritty crime noir angle is he's got that element of male self-pity that is, you know, sort of the cornerstone of noir. So... You can do adventures with him, I think, as long as he's a self-pitying son of a bitch, and it generally works out. Again, the idea that he's actually facing up against a bunch of characters named after body parts that seem completely absurd and whose outfits seem, like, downright satirical, it seems to me like that's going to be harder to pull off. And I think a lot of people are like, I don't know, I, I, I don't know if that's like kind of a remnant of whenever Garth Ennis would come in and sort of take a spin with Wolverine and like the Punisher or something like that. But it doesn't strike me as working as well. Like the stuff where I like with Jason Aaron and Wolverine is when the work is not afraid to be absurd, but it isn't deliberately trying to be absurd. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. So that great Weapon X storyline where you've got people shooting cancer bullets. See, I actually remember to use that first and are running around with like laser claws swiping at each other. I had no problems with it. It's that same sort of like Wolverine fucking a shark. I'm down with it. But when you actually get to, I don't know, like Wolverine versus the cannibal hillbillies and meanwhile you've got like lots of jokes and shtick happening about Deadpool interacting with Luke Cage in like the same room at a surprise party Wolverine's not showing up for I think it does a great job like in one issue of showing how Wolverine is spread so thin he almost doesn't work at all anymore you know see that's funny because when you talk about Wolverine um his not showing up to a party where they're in shtick about Luke Cage and Deadpool's I would have assumed that is what people would want to take from Enemy of the State. Because Enemy of the State was a guest star filled exclamation mark. Yeah, agreed. You know, I, 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 I would not be surprised if that was the lesson that Marvel would take from it as well. Uh, well, or, and to go a step further, they, they are farther, they, they may be like going specifically from the Bendis is what sells, and that's a very Bendisized take on superhero guest shots 
in 2011. I I actually think that that Miller has a pretty good idea of like no he actually wants them kicking the shit out of each other. So, you know, if 5.1 had been him coming back from hell and he's berserk and he proceeds to kick everyone's ass at his surprise party, which wouldn't really make sense the way the story's ended, I I would see that being a little bit more. Also, it would be great if you if it was drawn by an issue of someone who knows the heroes that they're drawing and also knows how to draw Wolverine which I sort of struck me as like a really big mistake in a 5.1 issue. I, I'm finding Marvel's point one issues um, to be increasingly uh, a good idea that not everyone e- executed has executed poorly. Yes. Yeah. Um, because I think the Iron Man issue is great. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't read the Wolverine issue or the Spider-Man issue, but I've definitely mm-hmm. heard a lot of complaints about them. Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing things like, you know, Thor having a point one issue, the issue before the series essentially gets cancelled, and it's by a guest team. Right. Why? Um, you know, the Secret Avengers, everyone was like, it's a guest shot, and then it turns out to be, no, they've just replaced Ed Brubaker and didn't get it the time. This, wow. What? Why wow? Oh, I just think that that's such a bad segue to do it kind of a little bit you know i mean i'm i'm, I'm oh, actually no, I, I i i think the problem was really just not seeing it up front I right think, I exactly think that's what i mean telling everyone brubaker's yeah. finished with 12 yeah i have no i have no trouble with like brubaker leaving he sounds amicable about it i think it's great that nick spencer's coming on i think that could be awesome but yeah there's something about the way that it's handled just sort of seems kind of like impressively wrong-footed in a way that, you know, it's really snatching defeat from the jaws of victory in a way. It's, and this is going to sound much more like it does that is meant it. It really struck me as a very DC type of thing to do. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Though, like, DC are getting incredibly bad at, like, announcing these sort of things. Right. Um, right. In a way that Marvel, you know, Marvel may be completely making up their press releases, but generally they have a press release on top of this before you find out through this list too. Well, it's true. I mean, DC was going through a period, uh, and I don't know if they still are, but I, I noticed from following David Usamari on Twitter where it was like they were just releasing books where the team is not even the team that it was solicited as, you know, and it's just out. And that struck me as like a real trend that DC was doing that, again, I don't know if it was just coming from a desire to create uh, – make sure that the books were shipping on time, but really I, I, made I DC, DC seem a little untrustworthy. Yes, I think DC definitely had a period of that. I think DC has... Um, has sort of period. straightened that out. Yeah, but also I think they've continually had a, well, we should really have something on the stands. And their way of getting around that has been, we'll change the artist and not tell anyone. Uh, and now it's more becoming, we'll just re-solicit the entire book. Mm-hmm. Because I think they've definitely been doing that a lot more. Although then you see, like, DC Solicits came out this week and it's got, like, Batman Incorporated as you said in there for three months from now. She isn't out. Uh, yeah. You know, like, yeah. Batman Incorporated has somehow become a mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, like like Flash did. Like, Flash went through the same thing, where Flash was horrifically late and they were still right. soliciting new issues. Right. And then they were like, we're double soliciting, we're double shipping issues to catch up. And then right. the double shipped issues were like, you know wow, yeah things happen um yeah i don't know we uh, i'm sorry what you said um, well i just i didn't hear what you said and then it kind of went kind of weird and i'm like huh okay did skype fuck up or did no, 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 just no, I, I, I just said oh, we'll see and that was <laughs>
Uh, See, that's worth waiting around for. <laughs>